it is a very, very bad deal for Israel in many, many ways. First of all, militarily, it's, a, it's not an easy deal. How are they going to restart the war in four or five days? Secondly, we know that the Hamas is going to play all kinds of tricks on the way. And on the second hand, it is a, not an easy deal on the Israeli internal front. Remember, there are families that their loved ones are not going to be released. And there are families that have soldiers in the Gaza Strip, and they know uh, fighting in the Gaza Strip in four days' time or in five days' time is going to be a lot more difficult than it is right now. And that is the voice of a former division chief of Mossad. Hostages and a MIA unit talking to uh, CNN on Tuesday night explaining why this you know, ceasefire and prisoner hostage swap that we will watch unfold is not in Israel's interest. And uh, the deal sealed kind of last night late. It hasn't officially started. It involves a four-day ceasefire, a prisoner swap for as many as 50 women and kids. So we don't know who. All we know for sure at this point, uh, three Americans are on the list and a four-year-old orphan child. And um, Netanyahu has signaled that uh, the ceasefire will be extended by a day for every 10 additional hostages released. So really, uh, if, if Hamas wants to turn this down, here's their opportunity. And I think some will see this as a turning point, certainly. But uh, Hamas is not really known for playing by rules. And I don't recall a ceasefire that they have been you know, able to maintain. It's not, not been a good thing for them. They just haven't done well. But what, how does this change everything, right? Dan O'Shea is a former Navy SEAL commander who served as a coordinator for the hostage workings group at the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad and joins us now. Good to have you, Dan. Yeah, pleasure to be with you this morning. This negotiation has been going on for a couple of weeks where, you know, we kind of thought, okay, we're going to get something, not going to get something, we're going to get something. We finally seem to be at the point where a deal has been negotiated. In your experience, you know, given what we're dealing with, where you're dealing with a terror regime, you know, not an internationally ruled uh, country, how would these negotiations go down as far as the value of the hostages for who they're going to get? Well, that has been the challenge because, again, we, as you mentioned, we're not we're dealing with a state actor, a, a nation state, Israel, dealing with a terrorist organization. Both state end goals is to wipe the other out, which meant the hostages were central to the Hamas strategy. They knew how much the average Israeli values the life of a fellow Jewish resident. And that was their calculus, because they knew an IDF offensive would come up after them after the October 7th attack, which is why they grabbed not only, mm-hmm. you know, military-age male hostages, they grabbed women, children, grandparents, and grandchildren. And again, the calculus is that Israel values the life of their people tremendously, and, and better, no better mm-hmm. case in point that an Israeli soldier held hostage for five years was traded for a thousand yeah. Palestinian prisoners. Today we're getting a, a one to three swap, um, and again in this first batch of fifty and one hundred and fifty, it's reportedly only going to be women and children. Mm-hmm. So it's you can do the math yourself. But um, you know Hamas was brought to the knees by the IDF offensive. On the same token, world pressure and public opinion and pressure from folks like the United States and others. That again, there's thirty plus nationalities represented in, in those hostages being held in Gaza. Um, there was tremendous pressure against the Netanyahu government to make a ceasefire so we could get hostages out. And, and here's where we're at today on the verge of potentially um, a blueprint for, for how 
hopefully the rest of these hostages are going to be released. Yeah. And to your point, took five years to get an Israeli soldier, one. Um, and assuming they're in Gaza, because there's, you know, half the children are said not, they don't know where they are. They very well could be in another country, could be in Iran. Uh, they, they do move them around. So well, I think we're a long way off to getting every single one of them released. But at the same time, you know, there is a huge amount of pressure for this ceasefire. Israel's been pretty clear they want to wipe out Hamas. And what do you do, right? Like, what do you do? Do you, do you buckle to the world pressure while you've got G7 nations and allies saying, look, Israel has a right to defend itself. It, it didn't you know, provoke this attack, but, you know, now you've got to stop. So, yeah, we have four days of a ceasefire. I don't think it's going to appease everybody, but where do you see this going, given Hamas's past with ceasefires? Well, you pointed out already, um, Hamas cannot be trusted. And the, the problem is it's not just Hamas we're dealing with. You're dealing with probably multiple factions. We know Islamic Jihad has some of the hostages. There's arguably probably uh, some gangs, just Palestinian gangs or certain neighborhoods that grab hostages. They're holding on to them. So there isn't, again, we're not dealing with a nation state. We're dealing with a terrorist organization that's very, that's fractured. Uh, they've been under attack. That Reportedly, there have been no, there's been no internet, internet. There's been no cell communications. So Hamas came to the ceasefire, and it, again, it is a win for Hamas to get the ceasefire because it's going to allow them to retrograde, retreat to the south if they're still in the north where the noose is tightly wrapped around them by the IDF forces. It's going to allow them to you know, resupply, rearm, and, and reconstitute you know, the next phase, which will be even more challenging because we know a million-plus uh, northern Gazans were forced to move to the south. So now Israel is going to have to go south. And, and now take on displaced a million people plus the, the residents themselves. So the next phase of this will even be more challenging. But yeah. again, after you know four or five days of the ceasefire, the IDF logically will be will start the second phase of the, their their offensive. Yeah, and and does that make sense to you? I mean, they have to get rid of Hamas, but on the propaganda war side of this thing, Hamas is winning that war. I mean, I get I get notes, I get comments all the time. It's Israel that did it. Nothing happened. People don't even believe that the massacres happened on October 7th. But the propaganda war is very much being won by the terrorists. It It is troubling to watch throughout and, and every every. Every city in the in, in in America, in Europe, Australia, and elsewhere, that overwhelming support has been towards the Palestinian state and indirectly Hamas itself. Yeah. And it, it boggles my mind to, to see the narrative that was already coming out within days of the attack that it didn't happen, that uh, the, 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 the acts of barbarism were, were glossed over, and there were actually organizations and, and, and individuals uh, claiming that uh, it was Israel's fault. And, you know, my favorite is seeing these fringe groups, progressives, and especially here in the West, uh, seeing a sign that said gays for Hamas, um, gays for Gaza, uh, marching with, with these protests. And I just thought, good Lord, you walk down Gaza today, mm. you would not last 10 minutes with a sign like that. So, again, it's, yeah. it kind of boggles the mind about how quickly we forget. And, uh, again, it's, uh, I've never seen this level of anti-Semitism on display worldwide in my entire life, and I've been on this planet five decades, so it, it yeah. is troubling to watch the world narrative has absolutely been captured by Hamas, and they are winning the information operations and psychological strategic messaging campaign for sure. Yeah, no question about it. Um, just before I let you go, and I don't know if you have this kind of experience, but what happens to these hostages? Like, are they notified, hey, you're going to come out, the preparation come out? They've been under such trauma, right? We don't know if they're injured. We don't know if they're sick. 
we don't know, like, if there's a newborn baby even coming out. So, like, what do they do for the preparation of getting them out? Well, in some cases, most hospitals, and I've done uh, multiple debriefs and read uh, tons of after action. Most hospitals, every day is like Groundhog Day. They wake up every day yeah. realizing the nightmare is, is still, they're living this nightmare. And we can presume they've been in the tunnel the entire time. The bombing campaigns by the IDF is probably shaken. I mean, it, they've yeah. been living in abject terror, not knowing if moment to moment this may be the last. And then the day of, they, they, they've been isolated. But they will, they've probably, many of the hospitals probably haven't even been informed yet. And, and if oh, they really? have, generally they don't get a lot of time to prepare. Sometimes it's a, it's a short, okay, grab what you have and come with us. And, and then all of a sudden... They're being whisked into, you know, a vehicle, the trunk of a car, maybe an ambulance, and then, then this process starts. But they've in, been in sensory depredation. It's going to be a, a huge recovery. And, and, again, the first priority for all these hostages are going to be a medical check and then a mental health check. And the mental health issues yeah. will be lasting, especially the trauma on these young kids that will probably last a lifetime, unfortunately. Oh, you can only imagine. You can only imagine. Uh, I could talk to you all day, Dan. Fascinating. Appreciate your time on this. Thank you. My pleasure. Take That's care. Uh, Dan O'Shea, a former Navy SEAL commander who was part of the coordinated uh, hostage working group in the United States Embassy in uh, Baghdad.